We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast and we are previewing season 23-24. I'm Alex Half-Charlotte, Sai and Adam Clary alongside us today to talk about Newcastle United and the season that is ahead of us. We're, of course, on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. What a week we have for you. Not only us previewing the, previewing the season together today, we have Craig Hope, we have Warren Barton, we have Keith Gillespie and more building up to one of the most exciting seasons in years. At the time of recording, there are still some tickets left to our podcast preview, which is Thursday, this coming Thursday, the 10th of August, at the stand. And come and join Charlotte and I and George Colkin, Keith Downey, Mark Douglas and Craig Hope as we again look ahead and build up once more to this season charlotte how excited for you are you for this season and why very excited i'm so happy that it's back i was at the cellar cup this weekend and it was just mint being back in st james's park yeah it's a friendly crowd it's a different it's a different kind of crowd it's not a it's not a full st james's park but it's sort of it's it's like dipping a toe in the water before going this weekend I am. I just can't wait to be there. I can't wait for the crowd to get behind the team. I'm excited to see what our new signings can do. I'm excited about the depth we have now. Um, and I just, yeah, how excited am I? I'm just really, really excited. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Thank you. Sorry, same question, mate. Yeah, it's very exciting, isn't it? It's, it's nice to be going into a season uh, off the back of the season we've just had, knowing it, it won't get worse, uh, which is probably the first time in my life it feels like I'm saying that. It's like you definitely just don't feel like anything can go wrong. And the worst case scenario is still probably pretty good. Um, even last summer, it was like, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd scraped up and you knew we were going to have a good season, but nobody knew how good it was going to be. Whereas this year, I'm just I'm just really excited. There's going to be a load of new experiences, European football, but actual proper European football, not like... Pardew, oh, isn't this funny? We're still in Europe, kind of European football, like European <laughs> football, where we're going to be competing against, against really good teams and really thinking we can win and, and not knowing who's going to beat us. So it's yeah, there's just so much more to look forward to this season than there probably has been in my life supporting Newcastle. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking all three of my answers there. Really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right about the European football. Going to play teams we've actually heard of is going to be incredibly exciting. But it's the first, like, it's the first real sort of trip into the unknown. This isn't it? Because last summer it was like. We've stayed up, we've consolidated, maybe we'll be comfortable this year, maybe we'll sort of get in the mid-table. There wasn't many people sort of predicting we'd push and push and push and push, so it ended up being this great roller coaster. But at this stage last season, it was just sort of, hey, you know, we've not got nothing to worry about this summer, we're on a nice change, they're going to get some players in and we'll just see where it goes. Whereas this time it's like, it does genuinely feel like, not only is anything possible, but we should be expecting 
Like there is it. There's no upper limit to what we can expect. Don't get me, I mm. personally will talk about it. But I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic, but certainly the ceiling for us this year feels just huge. Is that what ceilings are? Huge, huge high, ceiling. high, high ceilings. It's an absolutely massive. What an enormous ceiling. ceiling. <laughs> so I don't work with Pharrell Williams. I can't wait for it. Uh, very good answers given by all all three of you there. I'll touch on what you said, said Adam. I really like the pressure that this season brings. It mm. kind of, like you just touched on, Adam, there is, there is there is more of a certainty about what's expected. And I think what's expected, certainly at club level, is Champions League qualification. I think there is an understanding and a realism from the club that it's so competitive and our rivals, more of which we'll talk about later possibly, are all gunning for us. And Eddie Howe talked about this this weekend, in fact, when he said there's now a massive target on our back. Uh, there are probably four clubs who are looking at the top four, maybe top five in time because the UEFA coefficient isn't sorted for who gets Champions League next season. But there are probably four or five clubs thinking, I know whose spot I want. It's Newcastle United's. Mm. So Spurs probably aren't looking at Man United thinking, oh, we'll, we'll finish above them. Chelsea probably aren't thinking Man United. Brighton, Villa, even Liverpool, possibly they're a little bit different. I think all of those clubs are looking at Newcastle United. If we finish above Newcastle United this season, we've probably had a good season and we're probably in the Champions League. And that brings with it a set of expectations and a, and a different kind of pressure. And I can't wait to see how we deal with it because last season, like you said, Adam, it, every step was a bonus. Cup run was a bonus. Cup final was a bonus. Being unbeaten for nine, 16 or 19 games, I forget what it was. Massive bonus. No one expected it. And then a very kind of really positive March and April set the season up beautifully. It was just a wonderful time to be alive, wasn't it? That little run that we had, seven wins <laughs> in eight. It just sorted everything out. Everything fell into place. Everything went, you know, became nice for us. It was like, we're class. We're better than everyone else. We've done the hard work. And we had a little bit of a an off end to the season, only two wins in the last five, and still comfortably finished in the top four. Brilliant, brilliant scenes. Is it going to be as straightforward this time? I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it. But that this pressure that we feel, and that starts at the, the start of the season with the first fixtures that we've got, including Aston Villa on Saturday. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> I really didn't like this sort of like, oh, Newcastle have got a hard start to the season, haven't they? Well, yes, they do. But, well, yeah, but, but also we're a really good team. So the teams that are playing us should yeah, be yeah. thinking that as well. We finished above um uh, we finished above Villa and we finished above Liverpool. Those and are Brighton. Our, and Brighton. Those are, those are off. Obviously, Man City is different, but um, those teams should be thinking, oh, no, we've got Newcastle. And I think I think they probably are. When, we're not locked in there with them. They're locked in there with us. Right. That's what you got to remember. We're, because I think it's a great start for the season for us because it, when we all worry about the fixture congestion and can we stay injury-free and all the things that really went for us last season, which really did help our finishing position, None of them matter in the first couple of weeks. We haven't started any, you know, any any adventures in other competitions. Everyone's going to be fresh. We're going to be unlikely to pick up injuries the first couple of weeks. So there's never a better time to get that kind of run of games out of the way because even if we have a slightly stuttering start, then okay, we've got slightly easier games when things do get harder. Or if we get off to a really good start, then that's loads of pressure off everything else. I think it's a win, lose, or draw. I think it's a really, really good set opening set of fixtures for us. Yeah, actually, if you remember last season, we drew six of the first seven, was it? So, mm. uh, you know, if we drew, draw six of the first seven this season and chalk off the Man City away game, the Liverpool game, the, the Brighton game, it's looking pretty good, isn't it? And you, you made a good point before, Dodds. Uh, last season, we had a couple of wobbles. We had that start where we, we probably underperformed, really, uh, albeit the referees and VAR was doing its best to make that even more difficult for us. On the death of a monarch. <laughs> <laughs> we killed yeah. the momentum. <laughs> yeah, it's was that a, that long ago? 
<laughs> yeah. The Queen. Played like one game in three weeks as a result. Limey. The, the Queen, the World Cup, lots of things that disrupted yeah. that season. Um, and then there was the kind of wobble around the, the, the cup final. And then there was that wobble at the end of the season, like I say, leads away in, in drawing several games, um, which means there's, there's loads of room for improvement. You think we had such an excellent season, but there's lots of ways in which it could have gone better. And that's what you've got to look forward to this season. Is that that's the sort of thing Eddie Howe will be looking at saying, right, how do we address that, that run of games where we weren't scoring? How do you address those games where we seem to lose a bit of energy, a bit of focus? And I just believe that we'll just be better in all those situations this season with no World Cups, no, well, hopefully no monarch deaths <laughs> um, and no other disruption to the season. It's, it's really, it's, if we can get the momentum going like we did this time last year um, after about five or six games, it won't stop. And that's, that's what I look forward to. Momentum is a good word and it's a very, it's a very kind of sports media word in other sports in particular everyone talks about momentum and then you speak to coaches and players and they're just like no which is <laughs> it just, we, just, we just we just train and prepare as if, as if we always would for any fixture but it did at times feel like Newcastle United were unstoppable last mm. season and it, it like it felt like that in the stands when you turn up the games you'd just be like we're not gonna lose we're not gonna lose this this game uh, you know that's what I love about it and I suppose to to draw on Charlotte's initial excitement for the season and to steal something Charlotte has just said from from our, one of our YouTube videos that we do, is it should just be so much fun. There's just like, you know, f- football is inherently like negative. Football fans are negative. No one's allowed to be happy. You can only take joy from football by other people's misfortune. Oh, absolutely. That's genuinely That's, how it yeah. works. But it does just seem this season, right right from the start, it should just be fun. You know, get me to August the 31st, transfer deadline day, Champions League draw. What, like, what a day that will be. And we're not even playing any football. <laughs> on that day, unlike last year, when I played Liverpool and that went no, badly. I don't even. But it just, it just, it just should be the, the 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 you know most enjoyable season in years, unless of course the team don't play well. Yeah, in which case. In which case. We're about to get very negative. Yeah, hate them. What I will say about that is, uh, it looks as though uh, like channel the players. The players look like they're having fun um, most of the time, apart from Bruno when he missed that penalty against Palace. He didn't <laughs> look like he was having fun then, but. Um, you had a great the, time in the run-up. Yeah. <laughs> Whale of a time. Pirouetting down the pitch. But, um, like, you know, Jacob Murphy, the Seller Cup. Okay, the Seller Cup might not really mean anything. I'm not having a word against the Seller okay, Cup. Okay, the, the Seller Cup's very important. But um, they would ju- they're just having the best time scoring goals and winning. And I hope that that continues. You are right. It, it is contingent on not losing. Okay, maybe not winning every single game, but not losing. But it, this is this is fun. Like we should be having fun. We've got European football. The city people are just wearing their black and white strips just to to, to the coffee shop. That never used to happen. I swear that is more more of a thing now in the last sort of year and a half. And people are just enjoying it. And I I really want us to kind of remember that and kind of try and ground in it because it's meant and it might not last forever. It's a lovely point to finish part one on. We're going to be back. After some adverts, it's only £3 a month on our Patreon platform to get these free shows in their entirety without a single advert, including me talking about the adverts. Back (laughs) after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Charlotte, you were True Faith's preseason correspondent, really. You and Cy between you did the heavy lifting for True Faith. Uh, on our Patreon platforms in particular, for pre-season. Unbeaten, Seller Cup champions, mm-hmm. loads going on, goals, wins, trips, air miles. Air miles, how, crucially. How, having seen much of it, how relevant do you think all of that is for Newcastle United this season? Well, I previously thought pre-season's not that relevant. Even last season, when we still had Eddie Howe and we all went to Austria, and I didn't go to Austria, but um, everybody went to Austria, and um, even last season, I was sort of like, it seems more team bonding. It seems more about sort of getting the team together and riding bicycles and eating apples and things like that. And that's fine. Um, and then and then it, preseason started and it, it seemed to mean a lot more. Being in America was, was I, I w- that first game in Philadelphia, I thought, yeah, I'm not going to be that bothered about this. And then as soon as they came out and were warming up, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I care a lot. I care a lot about what happens here. And Sandro Tonali was there because we'd signed him and Harvey Bonds had just been announced. So he got some minutes. And um, and I and I do think I think not being beaten in this entire run is a massive psychological um, boon for us going into the into the season. This is a team that a lot of these players are confidence players. And seeing them, Miggy scoring, Miggy back on the score sheet, in in that I I really think again to talk about momentum, which has been debunked by all of the actual <laughs> people involved in the football. I think that these players, Miggy, get some momentum going. So, um, I think it's been a very successful preseason from that perspective. Um, not losing games, getting this team together, having a fun time in America, going to the baseball, that sort of team building, team bonding stuff, and then coming back here and having really good European opposition. Yeah, it's not Champions League opposition, but non Fiorentina and Villarreal are good teams. And we looked really comfortable against them um, on Saturday and Sunday. And we looked comfortable, and I said this in the instant reaction a little bit, um, we looked comfortable with probably not our starting 11 in each of those games, probably not our strongest 11. And I think that that has to be a marker of a good preseason because what we're doing is trying things out, trying different formations out and trying different um, different squad um, rotation out. And we were successful in, in those things. So good preseason for me. 
think it's just nice to see it's so well organized. Like you tend, I mean, I'm, I've got the mindset that the preseason doesn't matter at all because I've had to have the mindset that preseason doesn't matter at all. Otherwise, I'd never take an ounce of hope into a season at any point in sort of the last 15 years. But just looking at how sort of like organized it was, there was no sort of dramas on and off the pitch. We weren't sort of like, oh, so-and-so's not in the team because he's lobbying for a move and we're desperate for players in this position. And so-and-so who we thought was completely on the fringes and was never going to get a kick, they've played, they've had to play every game. It's just been... All right, we've got to go to America. Okay, we'll turn up and go and beat them. We've got to go and do a like a cup competition at Run Stadium. Fine, we'll just invite like Conference League, Europa League sides and just play them off the park. And oh, look, there's a new signing. He's playing, he scored two goals. And oh, there's the other new signing. He's sitting in the stands. And oh, there's Sandra Tonali. He's fitting in. It's just been so boring, but like in such a refreshingly boring way that there's been nothing wrong with it at all. It's just been such a professional preseason. Perfect, perfect point. And the thing I think about preseason or hard thought about preseason historically was bullshit about player bonuses and falling out with Mike Ashley. And there was one of the one of the, the Northeast press pack whose name I forget, and I apologize for this, tweeted out a couple of weeks ago saying it would normally be about this time, you know, a planted story would, would be there that Mike Ashley's flying up to Newcastle to discuss transfers and everyone here mm-hmm. knew it would be bullshit. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, there is this, there's just this kind of positivity that follows the club wherever they go. So you had Gateshead, where you were, Si, monsoon conditions, we're going to park <laughs> a bus, buy the pitch, absolutely fine, win the game from two down. We'll go to America, huge, huge Newcastle United support already exists there. Uh, you have Miguel Alboran, like Charlotte said, scoring in his home stadium. And Peter Silverson said in this podcast last week that the whole, even the, People who were there from the States in Chelsea yeah. shirts were cheering for Miggy. You can see it in the highlights. Like The Chelsea man's behind the goal. Half of them jump up when he scores. So it was just this like endless positivity, plus you know sprinklings of, of signs. I forgot Rangers, which I was at. I forgot it existed. That's what I think of friendlies. <laughs> you did some heavy lifting then. <laughs> um, but it just seems there's, you know, whether this is intentional, I'm probably sure it's not, but the signings have come at the right time. It doesn't feel like we've had to wait. And this, this is just supportive shit, by the way. This isn't... I think this affects the, the first team or the, the squad that much. But Tonali's done early. He's done he's done in time for preseason training, starting pretty much, although he had an, an extra week off after being involved at the Euros. Gordon looks like a new player. Oh, my God. So good. Gordon looks like a new player and pretty much is in terms of actual game time, game time he's had for the first team since his £45 million pound move. Then we've thrown in Harvey Barnes, who we'll talk about. So it just it just seems like it couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, I, I looked at that preseason schedule before it happened and thought, is Eddie Howe going to be happy with this, having to go all the way to America, play all those games in such a short space of time, squeeze in a home friendly, and also having to go up to Rangers for what well, was a testimonial of some sort, wasn't it? Testimonially? Testimonial. Um, and I, it, it, on paper, it didn't look like the best kind of preseason, like you say, Charlotte, from what we learned last year. He wanted to do his thing, go to somewhere in Europe, somewhere quiet, no fans, and just kind of get on with it and focus on the team. Whereas. <laughs> It wasn't that this year, but it looks like it's worked. Uh, and most importantly for me is, is, apart from all the great things you guys have described, is that we've pretty much got through it unscathed as well, because that's the other concern about preseason. The only player there's question marks over is Fabian Cher, which could be could be quite crucial. But um, yeah, everyone's everyone's got minutes. He's been able to do everything. And uh, <laughs> referencing the Silverson podcast again last week, it seemed like how's preparations into, into the team were considered and everything they've done. And they wanted to make sure he still had everything he needed to do preseason for what he needed for the team and um i i don't put too much too much uh, meaning in in preseason still now um it's been nice it's nice you're right charlotte psychologically winning every game is good but teams for hundreds of years have had 
bad pre-seasons and good seasons and good pre-seasons. Hundreds, hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was there. Hundreds Millennia. of years. <laughs> I was there. Millennia. Those famous Jacobean <laughs> pre-seasons you used to get. You know the, you know the point. Figure of speech, figure of speech. Um, it doesn't really matter. We could, we could come out and be terrible against Villa and then say, oh, it's a pre-season curse. Um, I just think, I don't think we're going to lose to Villa, by the way, just to be clear. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, competitive football kicks in on, on Saturday this week and that's when it really matters. Um, I, I know, Charlotte, you said you enjoyed it. I enjoyed the games I went to, and I'm sure you enjoyed Rangers as well, Doddy. Um, but they're still just friendlies. They're still you know, third-gear football, it's kind of taking at our own pace. And we were better at third-gear football than any of the oppositions, but it'll be totally different on Saturday. And I think I don't think um, Howe will underestimate that, or any of the players will underestimate that, but I think we just need to look forward rather than dwell too much on whether the preseason was you know, any kind of... You know what I'm trying to say. Fair enough. Uh, ask Villarreal how third gear football went yeah. for them yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that we look, we look, we look lean. We look fit. You, you are essentially right. So I remember probably the most famous one was Spurs in 0405 under Jack Sanson. He won like six out of six in preseason. Then he got sacked without winning a game, pretty much. <laughs> uh, same for Frank de Boer had a really good preseason at Palace those years ago. But but Newcastle commercially it looks like it's been successful. Lots of boxes ticked in terms of what the club were, were hoping to achieve. We just look fit and lean and, and hungry for it. And, you know, to give, first of all, Newcastle are better than Villarreal and Fiorentina. Newcastle are also a week ahead of both in the preseason preparation. But wow, what a gulf there was, particularly in that Villarreal game yesterday. That, 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 like Charlotte correctly said, for Newcastle to have so many strong performers in so many positions, there actually is selection headaches mm. for Eddie Howe against Aston Villa. But let's, let's move on then to, to the transfer market so far, Adam, because the the window is still open. But in terms of what you were hoping for, expecting, if Newcastle if Newcastle had a good window so far ahead of the new season, again, just like the preparations, I think they've been very professional in the way they've gone about it. We knew that the priority was going to be someone in centre midfield who added either a different dimension or took us up in terms of quality. They got Tenali in with relatively no fuss. Uh, the Barnes thing was a drama, but not by our standards at all. Like there was the whole Maximan leaving him coming in thing, but it always felt that for every step he took towards the door, it was sort of mirrored by St. Maximan taking one towards the exit. There was never a case of, oh, we're going to get one in, he's not going to go, or St. Maximan's going to leave, we're not going to have a replacement. It just, it dragged on a bit, but it was perfectly orchestrated. At Livermento, I think everybody's sort of waking up to sort of what a good buy that could be, even if the fee is slightly inflated for a player with that many minutes. Mm. Um, I think it's you've raised the idea of selection headaches. I think the one thing about the transfer market is, if I said to you right now, who would you have in X, Y, Z position? I think there's an argument to be made for more than one player in pretty much every single position on that pitch, except for centre-back. And I do think if we go into this season with the increased game time, I think we are a young, quick, athletic, ideally right-sided centre-back away from having a, a squad I'd be really comfortable taking that campaign on with. I think Jamal LaSalle gets written off too quickly. I think he's got an Eddie Howe season in him somewhere. I think there's a good reason why Paul Dummett seems to be back in the fold. He's got a lot of the raw ingredients that Howe loves in players when he's trying to raise their level. But I just think that's all well and good if we're aiming for sort of mid-table or we want to have a run in the Cups, but we're not. We want to be pushing back towards the top four. We want to stay there. We want to be playing in the Champions League. And I think... We are one player light, and it's a very, very important player to be missing. I think we're incredibly fortunate with injuries last season. We're able to play our first choice back five in something like 32, 33 or 38 games. That's not going to happen this time. Simply, we will not get that kind of blessing with soft tissue injuries and hamstrings and thighs and calves and whatnot. We need to be slightly better prepared for that. But again, 
we've all been there to be going at the start of a season and me going, well, we could do with maybe one player, not a starter, but maybe a bit more cover at centre-back. We're in a great position and they've done a great job. I think that's been probably the perfect transfer window, to be honest. I, I think you're right about the centre-half. That would be that would probably be icing on the cake, but I'm not particularly worried uh, at the moment. Um, I think we needed to balance out some of the ageing experienced heads in the squad with some with some fresh legs, with some youth, with some um, talent, uh, future talent. Um, we've done that. All, all young players with massive futures. Um, they've all improved the team immediately as well, by the way. I'm not saying they're players of the future, but they're players who've got six, seven years in them at the top of the game. Um, they're all positions that we needed something for. I just think we've taken a time over it. We haven't jumped into any of these deals. They've all been identified. They've all been courted. They've all been agreed at a, at a reasonable price, I'd say. Even Livermento, if he if he has a mint season, he'd be worth twice what we've paid for him immediately because he's a young English player. Um, it's just... It's just so refreshing to, to go through a transfer window, not panicking about the lack of business, but being really pleased by the two or three really good deals we've done. And I think uh, moving Maximan on was also a really important part of that. Now, I know that'll split opinion, but having a player that splits opinions is not what you need when you, you want everyone pulling the same direction. And Maximan will, will have a place in everyone's heart, I'm sure. But it's a no-brainer replacing him with, with Harvey Barton. So you don't want a, a player who thinks it's all about him versus a player who's just going to score you double-figure goals. Um, so yeah, I think it's been the perfect transfer window. Um, there might be more to come, which makes it even more perfect. So it's nine out of 10 for now, but that's just leaving room for us to, to add anything to it. Yeah. I was going to say, you're saying it's been the perfect transfer window. It's still open for another three weeks. Is that about right? Yeah. Three weeks. Yep. Um, we, I think that there will be more deals done. I think even loan deals and perhaps we'll bring, bring someone in, uh, in that kind of center back position. I know Eddie Howe has said, uh, that a centre forward and out and out striker is, is just the prices that they are at the moment in the market. We just aren't in the market for one. Um, but then he lies through his teeth m- m- routinely, so we probably got one ready to unveil <laughs> before Livermento. It is that thing as well in the market right now, as if next year it won't be like yeah. that. Like <laughs> House prices will go down, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so, I th- yeah, I, I have to agree with Sai. I think it's been an absolutely mint... Um, window and and it's been mint and compounded by the fact that the preseason has shown some players to be really coming good Elliot Anderson looks like a genuine oh contender my oh my for I think he's got a headache on his hands there with with Elliot Anderson and 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 selection and um and Lewis Miley although I don't think he's gonna we're not gonna see him in the starting 11 he's a, a, a genuine option off the bench for um for some games so um, that's kind of supplemented what has been a very good transfer window. So um, I'm I'm very happy with it. I love that point about Anderson and, and, and Miley, and that they're such they're such like bonuses for any any football club at this level to be able to produce players who can genuinely start on your first level in Premier League games. It's ma- it's absolutely massive, and it will save the club hundreds of millions if they continue to do it over the next five ten years. Um, it's been there's been good. Both ends, I think you've all covered the incomings very well. I, I, I do think that Harvey Barnes isn't getting the credit he deserves as just the, the absolute... If Eddie Howe could build a footballer in that position, he'd build Harvey oh, Barnes. Yeah. And we saw yesterday Barnes could have had four. He got two, which is probably the kind of player that he is, but he looks like a natural finisher. We are going to create so many positions for him to first time with the right foot mm-hmm. hit across the goalkeeper. He, he I'm saying it right now. He, he will score 
10 goals minimum for me this season. Um, if he can if he can get 10... Just for you. Just for me. If Almiron can continue, <laughs> which it, Almiron in preseason looks like he is going to continue that goal-scoring form, uh, this is where I think, and we'll talk about it later in the show, this is where I think Newcastle elevate themselves compared to last season, is more goals and more goals in key positions. But also we've got rid of some players and there's more to get rid of, but like Lewis going out on loan, Ashby going out on loan, they're really positive moves for Newcastle. Lewis is a problem for Newcastle. Um, obviously, they want to get rid of um, Garan Kowal on loan again. Ryan Fraser, Isaac Hayden and Hendrick don't have loans, but they scream deadline day championship loans. Mm. The, the the squad for all we demand as fans more incoming, and, and particularly in terms of quality, is still bloated overall. Mm. Yeah. St- still a hangover from 2021 and beforehand. Uh, how, you know, has been pretty ruthless in, in making some of those those lads train with with youth players, it's because there's just too many players around the training ground. If you look at right back, for example, Livermento comes in, still not confident at the time of recording, but it's done. You've got Kraft coming back. You've got Mankio there still. There's four right backs for a, for a, for a Premier League squad. It's too many right backs. Murphy. Murphy as well, if you want to. Um... Richie could absolutely play there if you asked him to as well. <laughs> so, but, but it still work to be done on that front. But I, I think, I often think back to last summer because like you said earlier in the show, uh, earlier in the show Adam, you know, last summer... There, there was a we, we did the show at the stand last summer and everyone on stage almost came up with a different answer in terms of what does a good season look like for Newcastle. That I think is when we ask this question, which I will, this Thursday, you'll see far less difference. I think oh, yeah. pretty much everyone everyone will talk about top six as a minimum, I think. And I think most people will say top five assuming fifth is Champions League, which it should be. Um last season we brought in Pope who Newcastle fans, I think it's fair to say, didn't realise how good he was. Mm. They brought in Botman. Did they bring in anyone else before the season started? Uh, no, because Isak was... Yeah, Isak was... was, was it. So, so, yeah. so you don't... I don't think Newcastle United are going to have kind of widespread squad turnover at first team level and anyway, every single summer transfer window. It's not realistic, particularly at the end of the transfer market, which we're operating at. Like, like I said earlier, throwing Gordon... Throw in the players they've signed in the positions they've upgraded, like you said, Adam. With with sorry, sorry, Sean Longstaff will have a massive role to play this season, but they've 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 identified one of the areas that they could definitely upgrade on in terms of quality, uh, and they've gone out and see you, see you starts on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually agree with that, by the way. Hmm. Well, let's do it then, because the next part, the next part before the the part three of the show was who is your starting eleven. I'm gonna say we all agree on the first choice back five. Is that fair enough? No changes. Livermento doesn't come in for if, anyone. If if it if it shares got shares starts. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So first choice back five. Charlotte, start with you. Who's your midfield three? I find this really hard. This is my hardest part um, of mine. I think. Um, so I've got Joe Linton on the left. Yeah. Um, I want Tonali in because we've spent a lot of money on this man. But then I don't know who I don't know. Who, I've I've put Bruno like that, but I I don't know I don't know how that um, that ruins the song. <laughs> Bruno in the middle. <laughs> I just I'm struggling with that last the last the third one in the midfield because I think. So sorry, Bruno obviously starts. Yeah, correct. Is, you mean between T- Tonali and Longstaff or Willock? W- well, Willock's not going to start though, is he? Well, forget about that. This is ideal. Oh well, then I'd have Willock. Oh, then I'd have Willock. Over. Oh. You can't, it's you can't your, play it's all your, five. It's your starting <laughs> eleven. You can come up with whatever <laughs> mental. They're not be angry with you. <laughs> I'm just gonna have <laughs> four, five, eleven one. midfield. I'm five. Oh. Give me three names. Uh, Joe Linton. Oh. That's one name. I mean, no. Joe Linton could do it by himself. To be yeah. fair. 
I don't. Then do I move him? Uh, Willock, Joe Linton, Bruno, and Bruno. That's okay. who I'm gonna have. Okay. But I really want Tonali to start. But I don't. Yeah, that's okay. who I'm gonna. I'm Sorry, gonna same question, mate. Mid- midfield three: Sean Longstaff, <laughs> Bruno, and Joe Linton. Um, Reason, I, th- I, I think I think Tonali will will get there. He's obviously a world class player. Um, I think Eddie Howe will be right to introduce him slowly. Premier League football is very different to uh, Serie A football, especially in 2023. Um, Sean Longstaff's just at St James's Park. He's never let us down. He, he does he does the ground uh, does the ground does the running uh, does the the donkey work as I always say. Um, and if you've got Joe Linton and Bruno in the kind of uh, form they've been in all summer and towards the end of last season, where Joe Linton's getting forward and getting amongst the goals. Then Longstaff can do that job uh, quite comfortably. Um, I think I like I like Willock in that midfield. He hasn't played as much in preseason. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we assume he won't. But in if fit, which is what this question is, I still yeah. think um, the balance is there more so if you've got Sean Longstaff in the three against a side like Villa. If you're playing any of the bottom five, bottom ten at home, uh, I would probably switch that up for a Willock or someone in for Longstaff because you don't need to be as uh, conservative in those games and we we were punished for being conservative in those games last season when we drew at home to Bournemouth at home to um, Palace Leeds etc so I think there will be games when you want to be a bit more adventurous with that midfield but for Villa at home uh, this Saturday I would definitely start with Longstaff it's and every other game because I love Longstaff <laughs> it's Longstaff Bruno uh, Joe Linton I've got category will be as, as a combination of three players right now they solve the most problems they offer the most options they understand the system perfectly well if we're going to have anybody else uh, dropping in, who's new? I mean, Tonali's the only option you do, but we've seen so many times with Eddie Howe, he doesn't chuck you in at the deep end. Mm. Bruno didn't start when he first came yeah. in; he was brought in off the bench. Even uh, Botman didn't start. He was very quickly into that team, but he right, he, yeah. he didn't start when he first came in. He was he was brought in gradually. Tonali will be the same. He'll come off the bench with about twenty minutes to go, whether we're winning or losing, and eventually you'll see him build up to to a first start in Longstaff's position. I think for us going into the season, like Tonali is like. He's, he's, he's premier Longstaff. He's like, he's business class, Sean Longstaff. <laughs> so the system doesn't change particularly when you bring either of those in. Granted, you can do a lot more with it. You can open doors, but you'll still effectively see the rest of the team play in the same way. The only real sort of way we change things around is whether you go on that left side with Joe Linton, Willock, Anderson. And I think you might even see Gordon play there yeah. every now and then. I think they do see him as very compatible with, with many positions they've got in the team. So that's kind of the position you use to sort of reflect your opposition, who you're playing, and the particular problems you're going to have to solve in that game. But Joe Linton solves more of them than any other player. He makes the biggest difference from everybody else who can start in that position. And I think he'll, you're probably looking at about 40 starts for Joe Linton this season if, if he's available the whole season. Really interesting one, Joe Linton, because we saw at the, the second half of last season in particular, despite ASM being fit for most of it, despite Gordon coming in, even despite Jacob Murphy, who did get a lot of time on the right with Almiron, but first half of the season plays predominantly left. When Newcastle needed goals and they needed to kind of change the direction of the season, he put Joe Linton top left. Very interesting to see from pre-season. It does look like Joe Linton's going to be left side of the midfield. Um, I, do, I think you'll see both. I th- yeah. Again, as I say, like Eddie Howe is a, he's a good problem solver. And we've got a lot of players who can play in various different positions. I do think for all people saying, oh, Tonali's not a six. I do think you'll see him there possibly in games with Bruno as the eight, just because that'll give us different options that'll enable us to do different things. Joe Linton can play as a deep midfielder. He can play as a, like a, as a, as he can play as an eight. He can play on the left side of attack. You can even stick him up front if you want to go incredibly direct. I, I think you'll see a lot out of Joe Linton this season. 
But I think here and now, with the options we've got available up front, and he's going to want to play. We'll get to them in a second, but the players yeah. going to want to play there. I think. So I, I'd go to Gnarly ahead of Longstaff, but you, you guys are probably right. And then the front three, I think, has to be Barnes, Isak, Almiron. Mm. I don't think you get loads. Same. But like you say, if it, on Saturday in particular, if it's Gordon, I don't think anyone, you know, is upset or disappointed. Um, and Gordon probably is. Yeah, Gordon probably, <laughs> probably would be. Honestly, I would, I would probably have chosen Joe Linton based on his form towards the end of last season on the left. We haven't spent 80 million on Gordon and Barnes to not play them as, they're both left wingers basically. So Joe Linton will probably not play that position unless we need to change something up, try something different, um, which is a shame because he was really starting to look like an afford. But what you get from that, you lose from his midfield kind of mountainness um which is a new word i've invented for him and villa villa are are a team i think i want joe Linton in that midfield yeah they're going to try and congest that that's what they tried to do in america as well and the other thing i was just going to say just to size point there was he was playing left of midfield yesterday with barnes in front of him and they worked so well like it was Mm. like they'd been playing together for months and months and months and months not a month so um, I think that that would make sense on Saturday night. Lovely stuff. We're going to break very briefly for part three of the show back after these brief adverts. Okay, I'm going to go around the table and I'd like some quick fire answers if possible. Oh. Everyone was informed in advance. So let's see who's done their homework oh <laughs> of this. Well, I'll start with Adam this time. Oh, Pick God. on you, mate. Surprise of the season ahead. What do you think? Uh, surprise of the season is going to be Lewis Miley because I don't think I think people don't expect him to play a lot of games, and I think he could well have a very long run in the side. I think basically there's two or three players in that midfield who could get injured, and if so, I don't think Eddie Howe's going to have any compunction about using him as the person to replace them. Nice one. Thoughts? Anyone agree? Disagree? I, I don't know if you can agree or just. What is, 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 is Miley going to get lots of? Games, do you think? Because you said before, Charlotte, you don't think you will. I think I think we'll see him on the bench. I think we'll see him come off the bench quite a so you bit. Disagree. Well, are clear. you saying you're gonna, he's going to start? Uh, I I think there's a genuine possibility you'll get less minutes, but you'll get you'll get less minutes than Anderson, but you'll get more starts than Anderson. Interesting. Okay, I don't agree with you. I think Anderson will, but go on. I, I think Miley will have the kind of season that Anderson had last season where we were saying this about him, yeah. saying, oh, he's going to get loads of games this season. How is keeping him in the books and not learning him out? And then you'll not actually get a chance because there's so much other quality players around him. And we'll see Miley play in, in the Carabao Cup in, in September, whenever that starts. Uh, I don't think we'll see very much of him around that. I, I, I agree there's a talented player in there, but we just don't need him yet. Oh, no, sorry, Adam. No, no, <laughs> I, just, I, 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 just, I just think he does such a specific job in terms of what a player he is. Like we sort of saw with the two different 11s we had in those those two games. Miley was the sixth. Miley did Bruno's job in the first game, and we don't have anybody who was really comfortable being a pace setting central midfielder. It may well be that Tenali ends up doing a bit of that, but I, I think if Bruno's out, I, I think you'll just chuck him in. I think you'll chuck him in. I think we'll. I agree with whoever just said we might see Miley's progression very similar to Anderson next season. If so, Lewis, you're going up a t-shirt size, son, because you're getting absolutely fucking massive in the gym. Like Anderson. at Anderson. <laughs> he is huge. Massive. Si, your surprise of the season. Um, you, you've already kind of stolen it earlier in the show, Dodds, but it was going to be Harvey Barnes. Uh, you said he's going to get 10 goals. I was going to say at least 15. Yeah. Honestly, Ooh. just just from what I saw this weekend. Winning just, the league. That's insane. You know, <laughs> this is, he just looks so bright and, and you, you've already described exactly how he complements what we've got and the amount of missed chances we had from those positions last season, from the front three, from the, the midfielders around the box. 
he has got an eye for goal. It's something that we've lacked in, in the players outside of our two centre forwards and Miggy at times. You know, Miggy had a great purple patch last season, but he also missed loads of fucking chances. Mm. Um, Barnes looks like he'll put away a much higher conversion of those and we create lots of chances. Um, I just think he's been playing in a declining Leicester side for a few years and stood out. Mm. He's a young player with an Eddie Howe uh, coaching plan to improve. <laughs> you can say haircut there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just think 15 to 20 goals from Harvey Barnes, honestly. I think that's 20 to 20 now. 20. I love it, sorry. Across, in all competitions, all competitions. I Jim enjoy I used to be the pessimist of the group. The, the specificness of this prediction because it will be easy to come back to. Mm, <laughs> you can clip it and play it at the end of the season. Yeah, when, my, when you're talking about how right I was. My surprise of the season, um, it's going to be Livramento because... I think there are a lot of question marks on... But this is assuming he signed, but they're saying yeah. he said it's medical. He was at the match it's twice. Yeah. He's surprised he season he's going to play for Southampton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got two loyalty points. Um, and, and I'm only saying this off the back of, there are a lot of question marks over why have we gone for him. What What's going on here? He hasn't played a lot of minutes. We've paid a lot of money um, if all the fees are to be believed. He's had this injury, this ACL injury, which is a pretty significant injury. Um... So there's got to be something, to me, big in there that Eddie Howe has identified and his coaching staff have identified that we are going to exploit. And I don't know what it is. So that's going to be, it's going to be the surprise of the season. Fair enough. I like it. I am going for Newcastle United will become finally a set piece specialist side. Mm. Last season, we massively underperformed in terms of scoring goals from set pieces, but we created so many Mm. very big chances from them. Shaw and Botman between them could have had 10 goals. I think it's no surprise for me. I mean, Fiorentina's marking of Alexander Isak was lax to say the least. But I think when Howe and Mad Dog and the rest of the coaching staff sat down at the end of last season and thought, how do we improve being a threat from set pieces would have been a massive one for them. And I just, I'm saying I know them. I've never spoke to the men. I don't know them. But I just know that they will look at that that area of, of what we can do to improve and thought we, we don't threaten the opposition goal enough from set pieces or we do threaten it but haven't converted those chances. And I just think Newcastle, Newcastle are going to steal an extra 10 goals, I think, from, from corners alone. Why not 20? <laughs> Do you At know least it's, 10 it's, goals. it's interesting you said 10 goals because I, being a terrible, boring nerd, I have done this in a video. Uh, we underperformed our XG from set pieces by nine and a half. <laughs> now, don't wow. get me wrong, I know a lot of people don't care about XG, but that, that does, it's such a severe number. Yeah. Like the cha- the quality of the chances we, I mean, it passes the eye test. How many times did you see a glaring chance from like a great cross comes in the box Cher and Botman particularly guilty Byrne got I think two last season but he still missed a hatful as well Ten, almost ten entire goals we yeah. should have got and I know we finished fourth but you add another ten goals into that team and well yeah we, we finished fourth Struth. and we, we scored less than Spurs I mean Man United were the weirdos of last season with both their conceded and their scored not really matching the like rest goal of difference the like three or something yeah but but all of the you know Liverpool, uh, Brighton even um, and the top two comfortably outscored us and they that brings us into line those ten goals alone yep. before improvements with Alexander Isak playing more games and, and Harvey Barnes and, and the rest of them that brings Newcastle into line with a team that can at least touch eighty points which we'll come on to later Adam we're back round to you though uh, most important player of the season <sighs> see right when I read this one uh, read this one down just read it uh, I keep going back to it I, I want to say Joe Linton because the reasons I've outlined before how he's just he makes the biggest he's the one I think you notice now more than any who isn't when he's not in the team you miss it so much and he's just it's from a physical perspective a technical perspective even a tactical perspective 
He's just such a huge loss when he's not there. But it's the quality players. I think really, if we want to sort of stay where we are, if we don't want to go backwards, I think the answer to the question is Alexander Isak. Because I think the drop-off between... Don't get me wrong, it's not like we haven't got Callum Wilson, so we will always score goals and we're always going to be there or thereabouts. But the levels he takes us up to in terms of the doors he can unlock and the chances he can finish, the, the things he gets out of absolutely nowhere, I think keeping him fit for the vast majority of the season makes or breaks what we can do. I'll jump in because that was also mine. Yes. So I might as well come in, come in now. That means, that means just right. correct. Yeah. <laughs> 10 goals and 13 starts through the middle for Newcastle last season in your first season in the Premier League when you undergo a serious injury that keeps you out for months and months and months. Those are silly statistics and he's a silly footballer. Great. Uh, he he elevates those around him and I mean again, going off friendlies, but you know, Miguel Almiron's goal against Fiorentina, it's a brilliant finish and it's a brilliant run, but the goal happens because of Alexander Isak. It's almost like Miggy stuff is incidental, even though it's not. The ability to, to commit three defenders and then still find the pass to the player we just don't really have anyone else, maybe apart from Joe Linton, who can who who was physically capable. Like Harvey Barnes can't do that. You know, Barnes has lots of things, but he's not that. Almiron definitely can't do that. Bruno won't be fit. You know, I think Alexander Isak. If he can, if, if we can get forty appearances from Isak across all competitions this season, he will score twenty five goals with, yep. without a doubt. And that that again takes us into new territory. And I said this in a previous podcast. I'm kind of dreaming just because I like things in the past. Of um, Wilson Isak fifty goals. Where they come from, I don't care. But across all comps, fifty goals. You think they'll both outscore Harvey Barnes? (laughs) (laughs) That'll be seventy goals in total. We've won the league and the Champions League. Sorry, most important player, mate. Um, I mean, you've just stole my answer. I'll I'll read out. You don't say Harvey Barnes here. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, twenty goals. Not important though. Um, I've written down Alexander Isak. Our success this season will depend on number of appearances. So (laughs) you've basically covered that, lads. Hundred percent. If he if he plays thirty eight games in the league, we will score, and and um, Harvey Barnes will score. I think the the twenty goal um, figure I've put on Harvey Barnes is probably dependent on how many games he plays alongside Isaac because he unlocks defenses, doesn't he? You said it right, Adam. He, he raises our game another level. But, uh, there's loads of stuff Wilson can do. And he's brilliant at it, but he's not as good as Isaac. And Isaac can do more, and he can. He doesn't just score goals. He creates chances. He creates goals out of nothing, and he can. The, the little um, the run at Everton is a great example, but he did a bit of that against Fiorentina on Saturday um, where he was just kind of mazing around two or three players at once. And then all of a sudden, if you've got quick wingers either side of him, they're in because other defenders have to come across to him and then the space opens up mm. for Barnes, it opens up for Miggy. So I think the, our success this season in terms of getting back in the top four, in terms of progressing in the Champions League, in terms of winning a cup, hopefully... Um, pretty dependent on Isaac being a, a huge part of it. There are very, very few players in world football who the vast majority of teams cannot leave one player to deal with. Mm. They're very, very rare. But Alexander Isak is one of those players. He will never be marked by one defender. There will always be, whether it's a fullback has to tuck in, whether it's a midfielder has to sit in front of him, whether they're trying to stop the service to him or whatever it is, he is not a player who will be left one-on-one at any stage. And if you've got any of those players in your team, automatically someone is free mm. at some point. More space for Barnes. More space, more space for Barnes, <laughs> exactly. But exactly, that's exactly it. And if you've, got a, if you've got a competent manager, then all of a sudden it doesn't even become necessary for them to have a good game for you to win games because they will tie up other players and that space enables other people to play. And either they have a great game and fantastic to score goals and even when they don't, even when they're quiet, you will just notice that all of a sudden it's easier to play your football. On his best days, Bruno's a player like that as well. He draws play- he draws players to him. Is he your answer? 
Well, Isak's obviously the answer because you've all gone wild for <laughs> no, Isak. But it's a clean Swede. Well, I was very good. I was going to go Barnes, actually. I think oh. um, I. <laughs> and you laughed when I said fifteen to twenty. No, goals. it was. I've, she I've, did. I've swiftly changed my answer since <laughs> I heard fifteen to twenty goals. Um, no, it is. It, it is Isak, but I'm going to go with Barnes because you've all said Isak. I think he w- maybe not the most important, but let's say a very important player this season. I know that's not your question, <laughs> but. I don't know what else to say because you've all very I thought, comprehensively... I thought Bruno would have been a clean sweep because we can't, we can't win without him. Say Botman. But that's okay. But that's I okay. think Bruno is um, has off days. And like uh, uh, and when... Uh, yeah. Mm, it's Isak. It's Isak. It's like he's just such... I've never seen a player like him. That thing at Everton that he did with his feet, I've just never seen anything like it. He's so good and integral to us winning. So I'll come to you for this one. Anything you're concerned about this season? You've all just said it. So, Harvey it, Barnes injury. <laughs> <laughs> injuries is something that you said before, Adam. We, yeah. we we got away with a lot last season, but we did have some big injuries to to Wilson and, and Isaac out for periods. Whenever Bruno was out the team, we lost games. We we didn't win games. Um, I think there's three three players there in Isaac, Botman, and Bruno because you've all just said their names. That if any one of those has an injury for a, Long period of time, it will severely impact our season. Yes, Wilson can, can come in the team, but he, he's not going to score every single week. Um, if we lose Isaac for, for three months, say, for a bad injury, or the same for Bruno. I mean, we've addressed Bruno slightly in buying Tonali. Like, I think there is enough de- enough depth in midfield now that we could, we could survive without Bruno for a few weeks here and there, you know, injury-wise, or just if he needs a rest. Or you get sent off against someone yeah. unnecessarily. Of the three, Botman's probably the most crucial to, to keep fit. And I think you said he... he, he other than the first game of the season where he didn't start, he was pretty much integral to our defence the entire time. And he's so important and he looks so good in pre-season and so composed that losing him and because we haven't yet signed any cover for <coughs> centre-half, I think a big injury to a Botman, you know, it could happen to anyone. He's not he's not an injury-prone player, but, you know, bad things can happen if, you, if you're really unlucky. Um, that's what I worry about is, is one of those three key positions suffering a big injury because I think it'll severely impact the season. Yeah, injuries has to be the big concern, doesn't it? I, I, I can't really put it better than Sai, that sort of centre-back kind of injury. What what are our options there? I don't know. Can we shift people along? Can Burn maybe shift along and we use one of our new signings? Maybe that's the answer, but it's not. It's clearly not the first choice. And then do we put more pressure on Pope? I think Pope can handle it, but it, yeah, injuries are the, are the main concerns. I don't have any specific concerns about opponents. Maybe that will change on August the 31st when we get our uh, bucket and who we're going to be playing in the group stages. But right now, th- the injury has to be the number one concern. I'll I'll go with, not injury, but the the, the, comp- the competing on two fronts. I think Newcastle can compete on two fronts. I think they have to sacrifice the domestic cup competitions, at least the League Cup. And I just wonder if Newcastle starts slowly and then put out the kind of team and performance they put out against Sheffield Wednesday last year in the League Cup. If, if you know, the difficult start of the season uh, creates some negativity around the fan base. Very specific things for me to be concerned about. I just feel like, I don't know how we are as a fan base at being mature enough to basically do what Arsenal did last season. And that's, that's say, we are just getting out of the domestic cups as quickly as possible. We have bigger fish to fry. Arsenal had Europa League. People forget that Arsenal got the quarterfinal of Europa League, yeah. played a full-strength team and then went out on penalties. So it wasn't like Arsenal weren't interested in the Lost Saliba in that game and then derailed yeah, their season. Exactly. So 
I just think Newcastle domestic cups. Don't get me wrong, I don't want us to. I don't. It's not like I'm going to go to these games home and away. So I, I want us to do well. I didn't want. I didn't want to get knocked out against Sheffield Wednesday. But I think everyone was able to appreciate in time getting knocked out against Sheffield. That was possibly the best thing that could happen because it allowed us to get to the League Cup final and then also put together a very strong end of the season. And I just, I just don't know if we, we are as a football club, but particularly as a fan base, capable of, of understanding those decisions yet. Adam? Um, my major concern is us for next season. This um, podcast? Just, no, well, the, 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 the wider Newcastle United family as a whole because the atmosphere and the vibe and the positivity has been such an important factor in terms of what we've done. Like St. James Park has been a different place to be. It's been a far more enjoyable place to be. Like it's all felt like this is what we knew it could be. We've not had a major setback since this train left the station, realistically. And everything you've said there, we are going to have, we got incredibly fortunate with injuries next year. Almost impossible that happens again. Our timing was fortunate in terms of our league position last year. We happened to go on this run and become this much better team at a time when Chelsea dropped into mid-table. Liverpool had a start they couldn't recover from. For a long time, we were even massively outperforming Man United. There was a gap there for us to get into, and a lot, maybe even none of those teams might be at that level. It might be an incredibly competitive season where even if we stay still, even if we do up our levels, it's still not enough to get even into the top six. It would only it would only take Tottenham and Chelsea and Liverpool to get back above us. There's, none of that's embarrassing by any stretch of the imagination. The clubs have far greater resources than us. Um, we've not had a setback. And my worry is that, not levels of expectation, but certainly we don't know what it's like to support this Eddie Howe team under this ownership when we've not won a game. Mm. And we've got, like, you know, we've been trudging to the match and we've, we've been beaten the last three or four. We've gone and had a really bad result and a nothing performance. We've just not seen it yet. And there's a possibility, simply because of all the reasons you've outlined above, through no fault of anybody's, that could just be something that we go through. And so my concern... It's just whether or not, as you say, as a fan base, we go, hey, do you know what? This is just this is just some of the suffering we've got to go through. We can still see the positive steps. We still want, we're still behind the team. My, I just I just hope that that's what the reality is. Because if that starts to turn and we lose that feel-good atmosphere, all of a sudden, I, I just think that's a, a, a bit of negativity that we've not had to deal with yet. Nice one. Sorry. I don't think we'll have to deal with it. Well, I, you, I, you will. You don't have a choice. No. <laughs> I have one more concern because um, I like talking about concerns. I, I, I spend a lot of my Newcastle United uh, supporting life concerned. Um, I think the atmosphere in St. James's Park will change the season to a one of slight expectation. Now, that's natural. You can't expect, um, I don't know, Luton at home to be uh, uh, the, the sixth pointer that the, the stadium has made it in, in previous years. Like pretty much every game has meant something. And the crowd was up for it. Uh, there was a couple of occasions last season where that wasn't the case. And I referenced those Bournemouth and Palace games in particular. Uh, the Leeds one on um, yeah, New Year's it. Eve last year was was pretty flat because there was that air of, we're going to smash these. It's also need... just such a weird time. To play it was football. weird. It like three, three o'clock on a, on a New Year's <laughs> yeah. Eve was weird. You're right. Yeah. But I just think there were occasions last season where we didn't get that kind of 12th man experience, which, which is absolutely natural for any team that gets in the top three. If you start treating games against relegation candidates like six pointers and start going mental... It, it is it's just weird it, it's it's hard to balance that out eventually you've got to just expect the team to get on and win these games they, they shouldn't need the the energy of the crowd and it's, it's a it's a weird dynamic and we'll be better than most of it i'm not saying newcastle fans will get anywhere near the the state of uh man city or, or man united in, in this kind of area or arsenal but 
I do worry that the, the uh, home crowd will get a little bit expectant. And if we do go through one of those bad spells that you've said is possible, Adam, possible, not not likely, but it could happen. Um, there might just be a little bit of um, a little bit of a, a, a wobble for us to, to overcome at some point. That's as, as far as I want to go with that negative point. But I just think there's a little concern that if one bad thing happens and the crowd isn't quite on side as, as it could have been, these things can suddenly uh, compound, can't they? I think it's all in a delicate balance. The club, the players, the boards, the fans. I think everything is has been in a really great position. But I just think we know as football fans, like it's it's never concrete. It always it only takes one part of that Jenga tower to start loosening up, and then everything else starts to feel a little bit less stable. And I just I just really liked it for the last year, and I just don't <laughs> want that. I don't want I don't want to lose that. I just I just want everything to be good. So I think it's when I say I'm concerned about it, I think it's just more because I'm a naturally anxious person. That's the one thing I don't want to lose more than anything. Just after your own answers here, because time is ticking, we've still got a bit to talk about. It's most, supposed to be quick fire. Most looking forward oh, God, yeah. to seeing Charlotte. Uh, European football at St. James's Park. Like, not going away, but having it come here and the displays and the music and having the crowd. And the half just, days. And the half days and the, the whole city. I just can't wait. Sorry. Yeah, still my answer. It's probably going to be everyone's answer. Let's be honest. I, I, I was going to be more specific and say like one of the one of the big boys at St James's Park. Uh, the last time we were in the Champions League, we were, we were all school kids, and it was like a, a, a late, late start to school the next day, get away a bit early. Um, you know, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Bayern, Le- Bayer Leverkusen, who at the time were you know a big big side. Um, the Juventus night, obviously, even like Dynamo. Wow. In fact, all the teams we played in that in that Champions League run that time were box office like it really felt like every one of those games was box office at the same park and st james's park had a feel of this is a box office fixture it's not like an early fa cup third round home tie or even a league cup quarter final home tie which didn't still didn't quite have the same kind of feel as as a game that had a huge amount of importance the semi-finals were great you know the, sorry quarterfinals probably quite big the one before that what was that bournemouth which felt like a quarterfinal but it was only like the fourth round being played in november such was the world cup's disruption of my understanding of time mm-hmm. um so I just think every single home Champions League game, whether it be a group stage game where you've lost the first three or whatever, this, the stadium will be something else on those nights. You're right, Charlotte. But against a big European side, it's just going to be, it's going to be nice to be back. But I think people on, on don't know what to expect because there's a whole generation of Newcastle fans who've never been near an occasion like this. So I just I'm excited for the whole the whole prospect of it. Enjoying these quick fire answers. Yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> About, hey, don't, I, I know what quick fire means. Uh, Jason Tindall trying to behave himself with the new, with, <laughs> with, with the new touchline rules that have been brought in specifically to stop specifically. him having fun. Uh, mine is the feeling which we will get when we just Eddie Howe, a team. It happened to Spurs famously, that Man United game. But I also think back to the Arsenal game the previous season, the Man City home game last year before Wilson went off injured, when it looked like Newcastle were going to go further ahead. There are just moments watching football matches managed by this man that we all know what is happening, the opposition know what is happening, and they just can't stop it. They don't have any answers. Brighton, at the end of last season, the first 20, 25 minutes, they knew what Newcastle were going to do. They had plans to stop it, and they just couldn't. And it's a powerful <laughs> feeling that I know I'm going to experience again this season. Just think, right, out there right now is a, fa- a strong, famous, massive European fan base, right? And they don't know that at some point in the next few months, they're going to spend hundreds of pounds to come to Newcastle in the middle of the week to get doing. They don't know it yet. It could be absolutely anybody anywhere in Europe and they're going to get it and they don't know yet. Love it. They're not going to be able to get out of their own half for 20, 25 minutes. Brilliant. It's nice. Okay. 
What does success look like for Newcastle United this season to finish us off? Is this a quick fire round? No, you can be a little bit faster than quick fire. Faster than quick fire? Yeah, sorry, fire. slower. Right, goodness me. Spluttering. Um, <laughs> uh, what does success look like? Um, a good go at the Champions League, I think. So out of the group stages into the into the round of 16, I think that you see how we get on from there. But if we get to that, I'd be pretty pleased. Um You've said we have to sacrifice domestic cup. I don't agree. So it, one one of the two, one of the two. Let's to win or run. W- win. Oh wow! Yeah, what a season this has turned. We've got well, Harvey Barnes is scoring twenty five <laughs> goals, um, and um, and uh, fourth. Fourth, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm going to start with Domestic Cup. I think we win a cup this season. I mean, Man City didn't didn't fuck off the Cups last year, did they? Oh, they've got <laughs> a much better squad than us, side. Slightly, <laughs> slightly, slightly. Um, no, no, I, I, I still, I still, maybe not both Cups, maybe the Carabao is the one you can leave behind this year. Um, I just I just think it, it still means a lot to Newcastle fans more than anything, winning a trophy before we die, um, which for, <laughs> for, for a long, long time I thought was just not going to be the case. Um, the... The players, uh, a lot of the senior players will want silverware, they'll want to win something, they'll want some honours next to their name. Eddie Howe will want to win something, not just keep getting really good league positions. Um, I think winning a cup will be high on the agenda. I don't think it will be at the expense of, of, of how we get on in Europe or league form. The league is ultimately more important in terms of getting back in the top four, and I think we can do both. I really think we can do both, which is the point I'm getting to. Do, having a good cup run can energize a, a, a faltering league cup um, form. Now it didn't last season. We we had a wobble around the league cup, but that's probably just due to the unexpectedness of getting to a cup final whilst being so good in the league. It was all a bit much for us. We're, we're going to be more mature this year. We're going to have better players. We're going to have players who've been in these occasions before. Um, I just think we can do it. I think we can manage a, a cup run. Uh, it's only five games on top of the champ. You know, we're going to have millions of games anyways. Why not play five more of them a bit more competitively? Um, and I think because of the likes of uh, the um, revelation that's been your Elliot Andersons, your Lewis Miley's, that even when we do field weakened teams in earlier rounds of these competitions, we can get through and then you start taking them seriously, just like every other top six team has done for the last 15 years. So I honestly think cup cup win is is what we'll do this year. But I also think we'll still get the top four and um, yeah, Chapman's League at least knockouts. I'll tell you what success looks like, right? It's about between one and two foot tall. It's silver. It's shiny. Yes. Sometimes yes. it has handles. That's what success looks like. Anything else is just a nice season. Anything else is a good season. Anything else is progress. An actual successful season. And that's this isn't me. This is the owners of the club. They've said that, that they need to win things. They're there to win things. Eddie Howe's laid it out. The owners have laid it out. Even the players are starting to say it now. Like, there's a reason why we're doing all these tin pot little competitions why we went out to Saudi Arabia and we won that little trophy and we made a song and dance about it why we hosted our own little tournament this summer and we actually had a nice little trophy made they want to get that mentality in the players they want to be like look if you think that's nice if you think it's fun having Jacob Murphy do a silly trophy lift at St James's Park in preseason, imagine how that's going to feel when you do it at Wembley or at Wembley or where's the third or at Wembley as well <laughs> we're in three competitions this season that all finish at Wembley yeah True, and there's we should we I'd, we should be the final of one of them. Fair enough, I, I love it. I, I want it to happen. Um, for me, I think Newcastle can improve on last season in a lot of areas. They were brilliant. They were perfect last season, but there's so many easy areas. Goal scoring, notably the one that you know they did very well. Sixty-eight goals. <laughs> Harvey Barnes. If we can push up to 80, 85 goals, I know, that's an idea. If Harvey Barnes are going to get twenty goals, we should just play him in the FA Cup. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. yeah. 
And if we can, I know it's ambitious, if we can push over 75, 80 points, who knows where that will finish. But I think we're capable of it. I think we can do it. And I think Eddie Howe, in the way the football club is built, is all about continued improvement mm. on and off the pitch. And I think they'll improve on the pitch this season. I have high expectations of the team. Not everyone shares those. That's fine. I think the club have to have to qualify for the Champions League. If that's fifth, it's still a really successful season. I think dropping, after experiencing the highs that we're all talking about, dropping into the Europa League, it's not a disaster, but I don't think it's the direction that anyone at the football club wants right now because why would you, why, why would you want to get worse almost? I'd take Adam's point entirely that there are football clubs below us who could get much better, but if they can get much better, they don't have Eddie Howe, they don't have you know Tenali, they don't have Harvey Barnes, they don't have these things. We do, we do. So why can't we? Why can't we look look to improve and Im- improve well? And I, you know, I always kind of look back at who did really well last season, apart from us. And, and the key one is Arsenal. And Arsenal went into last season thinking the top four would be good and they should have won the league. And I'm not saying Newcastle should win the league next season, far from it. But I do think we'll give the top two a run for their money. Love it. And on that note, I think we'll finish things Perfect. off there. Perfecto. Thank you very much to you three. Thanks to everybody who's listened to this podcast. We have our live show on Thursday. If you want to come down, there are still tickets left. Not many, but there are some. It's at the stand. There'll be a podcast of that night, of course. Come and join us on Patreon for the most exciting season ever. It's between three and eight pounds a month. It keeps this free podcast going. We'd love to have you along for the journey. This type of podcast, the next time we do it, we'll have played Aston Villa. It'll be out next Sunday morning. Next Sunday? Well, yeah. The Sunday after Aston Villa, the next day. Uh, join Charlotte, Sai, and I, and Sam Darling's our fourth for that one. See you all then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.